The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, February 28, 2022. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my partner, my engineer, and my co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Oh, what a beautiful day it is here in Sonoma County. Uh, I have two special guests with me this morning. Uh, joining me on the phone will be Katrina Phillips, chair of the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission, and we'll be talking about the commission, their mission, and some of the stuff that they're working on. And it's really exciting. Whenever I think of the Human Rights Commission, I always think of Eleanor Roosevelt, and I always think of what happened. In the Human Rights Commission was actually formed after World War II because of what happened in Nazi Germany that they actually wrote and developed an apartment called the Human Rights Commission, which is amazing to me. And still, here we are in 2020, and we still have human rights violation. And right now, some of the worst violations are going on with this Ukraine war. And also, joining me in the studio, I have a very special guest, Asia Gianola Honoris, who is the director of the production Hair. Can you believe this hair? I saw hair 52 years ago, and we were protesting the Vietnam War, and now here we are. Are protesting the uranium, you, you know, oh, I just can't even think about it. Anyway, she's the uh, director of the production hair uh, being presented at the Sixth Street Playhouse here in Santa Rosa. She'll be talking about the production and what it is entailed in being an actor and a producer and a harpist. She actually is a, a world acclaimed harpist. And it's just amazing some of the things that women are doing uh, in today's history. A lot to be proud of. Really a lot to be proud of. Well, February is Black History Month or National African American History Month. Uh, it is an annual celebration of achievements by black Americans and a time for recognizing the vital role of African Americans in U.S. history. The event grew out of the Negro History Week, and since 1976, every U.S. president has officially designated the month of February as Black History Month. Other countries of the world, including Canada and the United Kingdom, also devote a month of celebrating... Um, Black History Month. Amazing. And I have a, a special announcement here. You know, this do, we have a, a wonderful black student union here at Santa Rosa JC. And today is February 28th. Today's the last day of February. I cannot believe. Where did it go? It just seemed to fly. And next month is my birthday. My God, another birthday. 82, Elaine. I can't believe it. Numerology, 8 and 2 is a 10. That means it's going to be a lot of new beginnings for me next year. Well, anyway, back to what's going on with the Black Student Union here at Santa Rosa Junior College. Today, at 3 to 4.30 p.m., there's going to be a Zoom. And the conversation is going to be around what is black. 
very, very interesting topic. What does it mean to be black? How are you affected by the word black or meeting black people? And it looks like they have a wonderful, wonderful lineup of people. I see they have Jackie Elwood, uh, our mayor of Roner Park, the first African-American woman to become a mayor in that area. We also have Nancy Rogers, who is the president of the uh, Black Chamber, the North Bay Black Chamber of Congress, uh, Commerce. And I'm really excited about all these different people and also uh City Council uh, member Natalie Rogers. Uh, we're also going to have Jim Gray from the Gray Foundation. Amazing, just amazing, amazing group of people that are going to show up. So get your pencil and paper. And here's the Zoom information. You go on to Zoom. It's from 3 to 4.30. And here are the codes. 989-015-2242. And that's 989-0159-1623. And I'm really excited because I just looked at the, the beautiful, beautiful flyer we have here with little hearts all over the place. And I saw one of the hearts has one of my dear, dear friend Lee Pierce's name. Lee Pierce was the former uh, vice mayor of Santa Rosa City Council. And then we have Tina Rogers, who's a historian. And, you know, Tina's been on the show f- several times. I always have her come on. And, and, you know, our history is our strength. And that's why I have Tina come on to talk about many, many of the contributions that African-American uh, women have made. And I have to say something. I have to make a confession. I had no idea until I started acknowledging Black History Month, I had no idea the contributions that black women made to our country. I mean, it is amazing. It is just amazing. Actually, you can go on the Internet and you can just put African-American women in history and a list will come up that will just blow your mind. And because our history is our strength, I have two women. I've been, I've been honoring two black women all month in honor of Black History Month. And before, before we go into the two women, I want to read something that I think is very interesting. One, one, a new author that I found was a woman by the name of Octavia Butler. Amazing, amazing woman. And, you know, an election is coming up in November. You know, here here in Sonoma County, we're actually going to be electing a district attorney and a sheriff. These are two of the most important offices in our community. And here's what Octavia said. I mean, she was just, she was a brilliant woman. Choose your leaders with wisdom and forethought. To be led by a coward to be controlled by all that the coward fears. To be led by a fool is to be led by the opportunist who control the fool. To be led by a thief is to offer up the most precious treasures to be stolen. To be led by a liar is to ask to be told lies. Listen to this one. To be lied, to be led by a liar is to ask to be told lies. That's a very interesting thought when you think about it. To be led by a tyrant is to sell yourself and those you love into slavery. Wow. To be led by a tyrant is to sell yourself and choose and those you love into slavery. I mean, think about that one. 
and that's by Octavia, but- Octavia Butler, O-C-T-A-V-I-A-E Butler. And she's a wonderful, wonderful author, and I would look her up and just really enjoy some of her writings and some of her sayings. Well, like we do every week, our history is our state. So a special happy birthday. This person's birthday was, I couldn't find anybody on the 28th, but I definitely found two people on the 27th. And it's so amazing that I actually found that Marianne Anderson, the opera singer, the first African-American um, a woman member of the New York Metropolitan o- Opera, it is her birthday. And the most amazing thing about uh, about uh, Marian Anderson is her claim to fame was, is the fact that there was, of course, a lot of racism back then. You know, I mean, she made her transition in 1993. And, you know, it was in 1939. This is such an interesting piece of history. The Daughters of the American Revolution barred black singer Marian Anderson from performing under a white performers only policy when eleanor roosevelt found out about that she resigned from the organization and with and with president roosevelt and the naacp arranged for anderson to sing at the lincoln memorial broadcast nationwide she sang with tears in her eyes as over 75,000 people showed up and also this was a first because it was on the radio can you imagine? I mean, she just sang with tears in her eyes because the honor and the uh, just thinking of what was behind her, slavery and oppression and racism. And here's this woman with this beautiful voice was able to sing at the Lincoln Memorial and supported by Eleanor Roosevelt. I'll tell you, Eleanor Roosevelt, to me, when I was on the Human Rights Commission and they swore me in, I, hold a, I held a picture of her in my hand. I mean, it, all of a sudden, when I just think about that day, what it must have been like for Marian Anderson and what it must have been like for Eleanor Roosevelt, two strong women to say, up yours, we're going to have you sing out there. Amazing, amazing women. You know, we're the birthers. We bring forth life. We got a lot of strength in our bodies. We do the impossible. You know, just like if, if I always say, if men got pregnant, uh, you know, <laughs> women's choice would definitely never leave. Anyway, another birthday they were celebrating that happened in February 27th. This woman was born in 1890, born, uh, made her transition in 1989. Wow, she almost made it to 100 years. Was Mabel Struper. She was a graduate of Freedmen's Hospital of Nursing, known as Howard University, in 1917. She led Harlem Committees of New York, Tuberculosis, and Health Association. She organized health education, public lectures, free exams, and dental care for school children and fought for for full racial integration with the help of Francis Bolton integrated army and navy nurses Mabel Stroppers wow what a woman can you imagine what she was up against I mean ladies we have come a long way but we are right now we are looking at maybe going backwards, and we really need to be careful about that. We really do. And the most important thing we can do as women is stand up and speak out. You know, I cannot believe here we are in 2022, and we just heard on the radio that somebody in Russia, one man has that much control that he can put his country and the whole world on nuclear alert. 
I mean, I mean, we should be, we should be sitting, all of us should be sitting and scratching our head and say, what do, what can we do? We need to call our congressmen. We need to call our senators. We need to call our local people. We need to get our chamber of commerces. We need to get our board of supervisors. We need to get our city councils to write letters to Washington to say no more war. And women need to gather and stand up for the future of our children. When I see these these children in the Ukraine and all of a sudden 450,000 people fled the country. Can you imagine if you I mean, how do you how do you bring food? I mean, what do you bring with you? I mean, I just I just my my heart just goes out to these people. I just I just feel so horrible. And it's such an unnecessary thing. This is not necessary People need to sit down at the table and talk and negotiate. Find out what Russia wants. Find out what the Ukraine wants. Find out what we need to have peace in these regions. Come on. Are we that stupid and that backward? I mean, okay, are we still cave people with clubs that we can't talk to each other? I mean, it's just really amazing. But the most important thing that we need is we need self-esteem. And what I mean by self-esteem, when we get up and we speak our truth and say no more war, we don't have to worry what these other clowns think of us or throw at us. I mean, I've been called every name you can think of. And I just say, thank you for sharing. Well, I'm glad you have an opinion. But that's not my opinion of me. That's your opinion of me. Anyway, we're going to do the pledge, and I'm going to ask Aja. She's going to help, and I'm also going to ask Ken. And this is very special because we're standing up for peace. We're standing up for love. We're standing up for the future of our children. And we need that self-esteem inside of us, and we need to realize that we have a right to express ourselves. We have a right to be out there and say, no more war. I mean, can you imagine if all of a sudden someone came and did what they're doing to the Ukraine in Sonoma County? Come on. Or in any any place in the Bay Area. I mean, this is ridiculous. Okay, no more no more ranting, Ken and Aja. We are going to do the pledge. Okay, first I will say it, repeat after me, and then we'll say it together. Okay. And and remember folks, this might sound a little bit hokey to you, but think about what we're saying. Think about what we're expressing and think about what it means to you if you can integrate this in your own psyche. So let's start. I'm going to say the first line and then both of you just follow me. My self-esteem, my self-esteem, self-esteem does not depend, does does not not depend, depend on anything, on anything, outside, outside of me. My self-esteem, my self-esteem depends, depends on my relationship, on my relationship with myself, with myself and my higher power, and my higher power. Wow. Doesn't that feel good? Come on. Does that feel good, Ken? It does. <laughs> does that feel good, Aja? Absolutely. Yes. You got to come a little bit closer to the mic, my friend, and do not touch that mic. <laughs> anyway, now we're going to say it together. And, you know, just a reminder, you know, I wrote the pledge for my grandson, and I'll tell you something. It really made a difference in his life, and I read it three times before I come on the air. Okay, so we're going to say it together. I'm going to go one, two, three, and we're going to do it like a melody. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Oh, boy. That's a good way to set the week off. And you know what's really interesting is the last week, the last day of 
February. Where did March go? Excuse me. Where did February go? And now next month, by the way, is Women's History Month. And I'm really excited because I'm going to have Molly McGregor on, who is the founder of the National History Project, also now called the National Women's History Alliance. And we're going to be talking about the history and all kinds of things. And, and also during the month of of, of uh, Women's uh, National History Month. We're also going to have uh, Harriet Fraud, and she's going to do a wonderful, wonderful overview of the history of women in labor, and I really cannot wait for that. Well, we're going to take a musical break right now, and since we are going to be talking about the play Hair, of course, I'm going to play the song Aquarius, and I want to tell folks just a little bit of information Aquarius, the age of Aquarius is a phrase used by astrologers to describe the current time period. But we're out of that time period because I found out that we actually moved from Pisces into Aquarius in December of 2020. And what the idea is, is that all of a sudden the earth is, everything's going to be changing. We're going to be moving into a new consciousness. And let me tell you something, ever since 20, December 2020, we've had the pandemic, we've had Black Lives Matter. You know, we've had, you know, labor issues, you know, unemployment, homelessness is just out of control on and on. And now the Ukraine war, everything is shifting and moving and everything's being revealed. You know, there's an old saying, nothing can be hidden. And all that's needed to kind of look and express things is all coming to the forefront. And, you know, when you talk about Aquarius, listen to the words, because right now Russia put... There uh, is, has put their country on nuclear alert. That means there's a possibility, there's a possibility that there could be a nuclear something shut off. Who knows? I mean, we have to pray that that doesn't happen. This is a wake up call. This is the biggest wake-up call we've had. You know, I think of climate change. We've had floods. We've had earthquakes. We've had tornadoes. And still, hey, Mother Earth is giving us all these hints, and we're still going la, 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 la. Well, we can't go la, 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 la anymore with nuclear weapons. We really have to think about what is going on and what is in jeopardy here. Our planet, our lives are in jeopardy, and we have to stand up. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to listen. We're going to take a musical break, and we're going to uh, hear a great, I found a great arrangement of Aquarius sung by the Sunland Shakers, and I, I really hope you enjoy it. And when we come back, we will be talking to Aja Granola Norris, as she's also a harpist and the director of the play Hair, and we're going to be talking about that and all the different emotions and challenges that she experienced to be able to get this to the public. So let's go ahead, uh, Ken, let's play Aquarius.
where's the sunshine? Boy, I remember that one day that we had no sunshine from all the fires. I was shocked when I came out. There was no sun, and I thought, oh, my word. You know, just another little a little bit of tidbit here. The origin of this age of Aquarius was first coined in 1730 by astrologer William uh, uh, Lilly and in December of 2020, that's when we came out of Pisces, so we are definitely in the age of Aquarius right now. Well, welcome back for you folks just joining up. Uh, oops, I got to just turn the page here because I script the show. For you folks just joining us, I want to remind my listeners that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And joining me in the studio is Asia Gianola uh, uh, Norris, who is the uh, harpist and director of the play Hair. Welcome. Welcome, Asia. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Elaine, thank you for having me on this morning. Oh, I'm really, this is so timely. I mean, when you think about we're going to be talking about hair, of all the productions that you could have chosen at this time, is just amazing. Is it okay if I tell folks just a little bit about you? Absolutely. Asia is a native California who began in the fourth grade when she began playing the piano and then discovering the harp in the tenth grade. So all the way from the fourth grade, you started playing the piano. Amazing. She holds a bachelor's degree of arts uh, from Cal State East Bay, where she majored in voice and harp. She appeared on TLC's A Wedding Story in 2002 as a solo harpist and has been fortunate enough to be a part of hundreds of private weddings and parties since 2001. She has before Formed with many Bay Area orchestras, including California Symphony, Berkeley Opera, Santa Rosa Sympathy, Modesto Sympathy, and Ukiah Sympathy. Very impressive. Very impressive. At present, she is the director of the musical Hair, which is now playing until March 6th at the Sixth Street uh, Theater in downtown Santa Rosa. She has two inspiring children and a wonderful husband. Anything you'd like to add, Asia? Um, I also have a cat. Oh, how's that? What's your cat's name? <laughs> Her name is Harriet. Harriet. Well, and Harriet for Harriet Tubman. That's exactly amazing, it. Amazing, amazing. And your children, what are their names and how old are they? I have a 14-year-old son named Eden and an 8-year-old daughter named Joyce. And both of them are already um, pretty wonderful musicians and people to be around. Oh, that's amazing. You know, well, influence of the mother. And, you know, look at it. You started at the fourth grade. That is amazing, amazing to me. Well, you know, I want to start, you know, what I do, just to tell my listeners, I have my guests send me a little bio, and and I read, and one of the things that was very, very interesting in your bio, you said you were named after an album, which may have had an influence on you. What what, what was that album, and what influence did did it have on you? The year before I was born, Steely Dan came out with the album, Asia. It has this beautiful black cover with red letters on it. And my parents were obviously fans, and my mom named me after that album, Asia. In fact, there's even a song on the album, a song, Asia. And um, I'm the only musician in my family, so they used to play me the album. And who knows, maybe... um, having that uh, musical source that I started from inspired me onto a musical life. 
Well, also having your name after an album like that, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And then also, uh, some of, what were some of your, cha- you chose to be a harpist. I mean, a harpist is not something that you see a lot of, you know. It's All not. of a sudden, when a harpist shows up, it's very unusual. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how did you happen to pick that? And then what is this TLC and how did you get that opportunity? I understand it's a television program mm-hmm. on cable, I believe. Yeah. So harp is interesting. For me, it was love at first sight. I was, I played trumpet in the band and I played piano and my grandma used to take me to the symphony. In fact, when Roner Park had the Roner Park Symphony, one time we went there and there was a harp on stage and I went, oh, that's it. That's the one I want to play. And um, so then I rented an instrument and I um, paid for lessons and I, it just, it just happened. But from the moment I saw it, I knew. That was going to be my instrument. Probably when you were sitting in one of the symphonies, you were saying, wow, how did I get here? You know, you had the vision and all of a sudden, I mean, that's so important that people understand that you have a vision and then all of a sudden you manifest it if you if you move towards it. You know, there's an old saying, you do 25% of the work and somehow the universe pushes with the other 75. Well, let, let's talk about, you know, now all of a sudden, I, I you know, the thing that really I had to scratch my head and that's what I couldn't wait till we had this interview is, how does a harpist go to a director? I mean, you are directing here. And I have to say, I have to tell folks, you know, the, the play is not, is has uh, been extended to March 6th. And if you get a chance, you know, Asia is going to give us more information on how you can get tickets. But I would really encourage you to really go down and see it. It's just, it's just well worth, well worth the time that you spend. So talk about how did you get into directing and, and why hair? All of a sudden, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's so timely. When I saw it, I mean, I fell apart because all of a sudden I scratched my head and I said, "Have we really? Have we made any progress?" <laughs> you know, but yeah. my hair. So go ahead, let's let's hear about that. Well, directing, goodness, it's it's always been singing and harp for me, and um, and through my work as a teacher, I started directing youth productions and then directing. Um, adult productions and Sixth Street Playhouse invited me to come in. They had already chosen the show, but I'm so glad they did. <laughs> and they invited me to come in and direct it. Um, yeah. So what was that like? What was that like for you coming in? And, and is this have you directed other things, or is this just your first? Or I have directed many, many dozens of musicals, um, but this production of hair has been so special to be a part of the um the whole organization six street playhouse has been beautiful to work with and i love that they recognize the value of having a female director for especially this show that has so many um so many challenging themes in it um themes well there's nudity in it you know and and having having someone who has a thoughtful way of approaching this with the actors and with the audience. Well, I have to say, I saw the original uh, with the nudity scene, and it was a lot more bold than you were. I thought it was handled very tastefully the way you (laughs) did it. It was kind of a, it wasn't, you didn't throw it in the audience's face. You gave them a chance to absorb it and actually enjoy it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But other themes in the show include um, the racial theme, and as a woman of color, I, I feel like I got to bring my life perspective into our work that we do in hair 
and um, and it's so interesting um, having those themes about war and how do we how do we how do we move through um, a space where our government chooses to have war, but we choose different things and being a counterculture and I know it's it was a, a very cha- very challenging piece. I but it was it was handled very well, and the the per- the people that you chose for the different parts were just excellent. And also the music, I was I was really shocked because all of a sudden I realized, my God, there was a live band there. <laughs> I thought it was just music coming, then all of a sudden we saw these heads poking out because oh. we were pretty much in the front. So it was it was just amazing. Well, what here we are today. February 28th, the last day of February, you know, and for the last five days, we've been encountered in war and mm. fear of nuclear, maybe a nuclear holocaust and, and, and people, 450,000, you know, re- uh, people leaving their country and then, you know, soldiers being uh, sent over there, you know, and then thinking about hair with the last scene when, the, when the, you know, the young boy is killed in the, in the war, you know, I mean, everybody knows that if, if you've said, know anything about hair. How how do you how does that feel today? I mean, now that you've got the show's going to be on for another week, how does that feel with all this going on? There um, definitely is a layer of knowing where our earth is right now, where our world is, and as we're singing and as we're telling the story, there's just this added layer of authenticity. Um, but it is, it's quite heartbreaking to think about current events. And it's also interesting to notice that this show that was written 50, 55 years ago, so many of these themes are absolutely relevant. We're still fighting for equality. We're still fighting for peace where it's, it's very timely. You know, it's really interesting when you say we're still fighting you know, I, I don't understand it. I, I, as a woman, as a mother, as a grandmother, and now a great-grandmother, I don't understand it. You know, ever since the day I was born, we've been at war. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's never it's never stopped. And, you know, World War One was supposed to be the war to end all wars, and then comes World War Two, and then all the others in between, and, I mean, you name it. And, I mean, we've been, we've been having a heyday with all these weapons that we have. I mean, it's really, you know, war is not, you know, war is not glamorous. You know, we make it glamorous through the movies, but it's not. It's an ugly, an ugly situation. So I think it's very interesting that this this play has come out because it really gives you a lot a lot to think about, and it's a little bit different because we don't have the draft. These are volunteer. This we have volunteer armies now. Sometimes Ken and I we talk about maybe they should bring the uh, the draft back. It make it gives it more of that immediacy, you know. Mm. Well, what is the feedback you've been getting about the play? What have people been saying to you? I mean, so you heard what I said. I mean, I gave you a whole earful. I mean, I just I just enjoyed it so much. You know, what 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 kind of feedback? I would say that um, our audience members have been very moved and delighted and excited and it's such a such an active show and in fact there's parts where we try and get the audience um, with the COVID that's happening right now we have to stay up on stage and we can't go out and into the audience but we have ways of engaging with oh, the right, audience yes. throughout the show um, but so many wonderful things, compliments have moved through me that I've conveyed to the actors. They do amazing work on stage. Lucas Sherman, who leads the band, 
the the music is just wonderful and you're right it sounds exactly like a broadway recording yeah i thought <laughs> a I, live I, band on stage i know i thought we were just listening to you know i i thought i actually thought they were piping in music oh. and then all of a sudden when i saw ken and i saw the heads pop up we said oh my god there's a live a live band out there <laughs> well we've come to the end of our segment so any final words give us a website uh how is it with tickets are there still tickets available how how do people find out about it how do people sign up Tickets are going fast, but there's one more weekend, and there are tickets, some available. If you go to 6th Street Playhouse website, they have a link where you can purchase tickets online. And um, we've got a beautiful COVID flow where we check vaccination records at the front door, and we ask audience members to wear their masks, and everyone on stage has been tested twice a week, and um, it's... It feels like a very safe place to be. I have to compliment whoever was taking the information at the door. I mean, she did not let anybody go <laughs> until they showed her that vaccination thing. I mean, that was amazing. Is there? Do you know the website off your hand? I'm sorry, I don't. So it's Sixth Street Playhouse. Yes. Okay, well, you know, folks, we will have it on www.womenspaces.com. Well, I want to thank you so much, Asia, so much for being here, for being on Women's Spaces, and congratulations on a successful play. And I'm really happy to have you here during uh, during African American History Month because you are definitely, as a woman of color, making history for our community. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Elaine. Oh, what a pleasure. You know, what, what talents we have in our community. You know, we never think about it. Well, we're going to take... Uh, we're going to take a break right now. And, you know, I found this one song, and it was written by Michael Jackson. I'll tell you something. Michael Jackson, I don't know. I hope he's in heaven somewhere and he can hear me. The man, the young man, was an absolute genius. You can say whatever you want about him, but I'll tell you something. He he got together that we are the world. He wrote songs that, that just really, really were emphasized some of the issues that we're having. And he had such a heart. And he wrote this one song called One World. And I just, I just think it's one of the, it's just one of the greatest songs, and, and today I'm going to. Uh, it's a woman by the name of Roberta Donahue that's re, that's going to be uh, going to be singing it. And this song is a reminder that we are one world, one human species. This is our home, our planet, our Mother Earth, and we got to start paying attention. And we we can't afford wars anymore. We really can't. We can't even we can't even house our homeless. I mean, come on, what a waste of energy and what a waste of time. So let's go ahead, Ken, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Katrina Phillips, who is the the new chair of the Human Rights Commission here in Sonoma County. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful organization, and I'm really looking forward to hearing. We're going to talk a little bit about history and all that other good stuff. So let's go ahead and play One World, and let's get Katrina on the line, Ken. The circles of sun that we are called. 
for all humanity. Well, the wish I have for all humanity is somehow we come to the place where we really look at justice because no justice, no peace is very, very important. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Faces, and I'm your host, Elaine Behold. And with me on the phone is Katrina Phillips, who is the chair of the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission. Welcome to Katrina. Welcome to Women's Faces. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's a thrill. You know, before we start, I'd like to tell folks just a little bit about you. Is that okay, Katrina? Of course. Katrina Phillips moved to Santa Rosa 10 years ago from Los Angeles. Where, where did you, where did you, uh, where did you uh, live uh, in Los Angeles, Katrina? Oh, I lived there for about 10 years. I lived all over, but the last place that I lived was in Los Feliz. Oh, Los Feliz, I'm very familiar. I'm also a native of Los Angeles, uh, where, she, where she was an actor and also worked as a counselor for Youth at Risk. She's been a volunteer with the Fire Pet Rescue and Reunification since the Tubbs Fire, a member of the Sonoma County Human Trafficking Task Force, and is currently the chair of the Commission of, the Sta- of Human Rights. Welcome, welcome once to Women's Spaces, Katrina. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, no, I'm just very excited to be here. Well, I'm glad you're excited. I'm excited to have you because the human rights is so important. I, as you know, I was once a human rights commission for a, about a two-year term. Mike McGuire, Senator Mike McGuire, appointed me. And I remember when I got sworn in, I, I held the picture of Eleanor Roosevelt in my hand. I was so excited. Wonderful. That is, that is awesome. That's so awesome. 
Well, let's start. You know, something you said when I asked for the five questions uh, that you talked about, and I thought that would be really interesting to start our conversation with, is that you grew up as a biracial army brat. Now, talk about that. How, how did that influence you, particularly now with your work as a chair for the Sonoma County Human Rights? Um, well, first of all, anybody who knows me knows how much respect I have for my father. Um, he was a, he's still alive, but he uh, used to be a Special Forces Green Beret airborne medic. And um, so because soldiers are stationed all over the world, um, on base and in schools on Army bases, there were actually a lot of biracial kids. Um, but off base and in certain countries and in certain states, there's next to no biracial kids. And you have to remember that this is me talking about growing up in the 70s and 80s. Um, so oftentimes there would be a lot of aggression towards me just for being biracial. Wow. And that prepared me by starting out being different right off the bat. Uh, a minority within a minority status. And then add on top of that that I'm an out and proud lesbian makes me a minority within a minority within a minority. Oh my God, Katrina. <laughs> So and a hurricane growing, is named after you. Oh, I know. Top that, that's just a cherry on the, you know, <laughs> cherry on the top right there. Oh, my um, goodness. So, you know, growing up an Army brat gave me the gift of, of learning to think quickly on my feet, to adapt to new people and surroundings, and it gave me the heart to care for my community. And um, that is all I learned. I learned all of that from my father. Um and also, because we visited and lived in so many countries before the age of 13, um, I learned to respect other cultures, ethnicities, languages I didn't understand. And what I learned was that we are all far more alike than different. Well, it's really, it's really interesting, you know, when you start thinking about how, how our past influences, you know, children live what they learn, you know, and you learned that you had to, you had to struggle. You had to really learn how to stand up for yourself. Like, hey, I am, I am a human being. No matter, you can't put anything on me. So I really, I really, my hat goes off to you. Thank you so much for sharing. I knew that would bring out a lot because when I saw that, I thought, hmm, that is really interesting. You know, I've never, I've never really interviewed a woman actually who had had that kind of background so thank you so much for sharing that well, of course it was a very interesting way to grow up and you know a lot of people i've spoken to a lot of people and they're like you know, i say well what's your one of your first memories as a child and especially up here someone's like oh i think i was around two and i was uh, at a, a dead concert and i'm like what <laughs> and they're like what about you what is one of your first memories i'm like uh I remember there was a machine gun in the, the closet downstairs, and we just weren't allowed to touch it. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. You know, um, it's it's amazing, especially the challenge of being biracial. And you know, I know I have uh, I have my neighbors across the street; uh, they're African American. But what is so amazing is when you when the family gets together, you see there is so much integration going on now. And I think, to be honest with you, I think that's one of the secrets to coming together. You know that we, I agree. You know, we start really in, involving with each other. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Well, listen, talk about how you first got involved in human rights. I mean, you, it seems like you had a history, and it said also in your bio you said you you had a little bit of a back a little bit of a back 
background in acting. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you got involved in human rights? Um, I was an actor for most of my life. Um, been acting since I was 10. Um, the was acting professionally since 1996. Um, did my first film. Lots of improv, lots of TV, lots of um, theater. Um, so I started that in Chicago, and then I moved to Los Angeles. And um, I really, I really love performing, but I realized that my my want and my passion for making a difference and helping people, um, it, it wasn't being completely satisfied because, you know, you audition, you audition, you audition, and you take whatever you can get. Um, but it's not necessarily the stories you want to bring out. Um, there were two films that I did that I, I do believe made a huge difference in the world, um, one was, uh, but I'm a cheerleader, and that is a, um, it is now known as the number one LGBTQ film of all time, which is weird, um, but it is a hilarious, campy film, and it's about this um, kids being sent to a conversion therapy home to become straight again. So the parents think they're gay. They send them to the school to be come straight again. Oh my goodness! Um, and what was and, this, what was the second one? Um, it's called Stranger Inside, and um, that is um, it takes place in a women's prison, and it shows the value or the devalue of the need of of home and family. Wow, that that sounds like sounds like that in itself. Just those two films are a preparation. Well, you know, time goes by really fast, and I want to make sure. You know, I I would love to have you on to talk a little bit more about these films because they really sound very very interesting. But I want I don't want to run out of time. So okay. so let's give us a little history about the Commission of Human Rights and its mission, and some ideas why you believe the Human Rights Commission is so important, and what are some of your goals. Okay. Um, well, in a nutshell, um, I would say that the Sonoma Commission on Human Rights, okay, so it was established in 1993, and uh, it was established to promote both human relations between all people in Sonoma County. Uh, we are the advisors to the Board of Supervisors on areas that impact human rights of the members of our community. So that's in a nutshell. Um but this is what I see in reality. I see our commission as a, a band of peaceful warriors. <laughs> I like that, a band of peaceful warriors. That's beautiful. I have I have personally never witnessed such a dedicated group of and we're all volunteering our time, boots on the ground, and we're absolutely fearless in our endeavors. And I can only say that it has equaled only with the fire, pet rescue, and reunification teams that I've worked with all over Northern California now. What do you believe? What do you believe? How can you give us? Like I like that idea of in a nutshell. Can you can you talk a little bit about the mission and how you see it being fulfilled right now? And what are some of the some of the issues that you're dealing with? Um, you know, well, our mission is is very simple. It is. Um, 
we're here to act as the liaison between the community and the board of supervisors on any and all human rights issues. And I can tell you right now, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably felt the same way, or maybe this was just a surprise to me, but when I became a commissioner in 2020, um, I soon realized almost everything we're dealing with is a human rights issue. And I was like, oh my goodness, we, we really have to be able to pinpoint and break off in groups and because not one person can do it all. And so that's where our ad hoc committees come in and we do side projects and I just have to commend my commissioners. They're, they're amazing. They, not only do they have full-time jobs, not only are they on the commission, they're working with other organizations. Some of them are vice presidents of this organization or the secretary of this organization. They're, they're out there. They're boots on the ground. They're working for the human rights. Like, uh, we're concentrating on immigrant rights, um, working very closely with uh, different organizations, making sure that the vineyard and farm workers are being respected. Um, we have always had a committee dealing with people with disabilities. Um, and in 2020, the chair at the time, um, Demetra Smith, she released on a website called the Human Rights Visibility Project, and it's a survey that allows uh, the commission to gather information on human rights violations anonymously so that we as the commission can help recommend changes to the methods of how the county handles these incidents. And I think I was completely blown away when, when that came out, and, um, and it's still up and running. Well, you know what's amazing about the commission? When I came on, <clears throat> when I came on, it was a whole different story. <clears throat> it really wasn't functioning the way it should, and it's really exciting, you know, to hear all the wonderful things that are going on there. I really think it's very, very important. And there's another aspect too that most people are not really familiar with, and that's the junior commission. Can you talk a little bit about that? What their mission is, and why you feel they're important? Oh, absolutely. Um, because I know Dimitri, I Dimitri was really, really uh, empowered that. So, uh, go ahead. Before you get to it, go, what were you, else you were going to say? Go ahead. Okay. So I just wanted to also um, let you know that we are currently working with different agencies across the county to help the unsheltered. Um, the past two months have been incredibly busy with that. Um, there's some amazing organizations that are out there and doing the work that I believe the county should actually be helping with, and they're not. Um, and we're also setting up a forum debate with all four sheriff candidates, and that will be held in April. And you'll let me know about that, of course. And you know, it's re- it's really interesting when you t- when you talk about all the different things that are happening. And I really admired the work that Demetri has done. To, to, you oh, know, she's shout absolutely out. one of my heroes. And also, I, before I forget, I know you have a brand new commissioner, Kathleen Finnegan. I want to do a shout out for her and congratulations. Well, listen, let's just talk a bit. We've only got three minutes left, and then we're our, our time is going to be out. Talk a little bit about the junior commission, and also uh, give us your website and your meeting times. You got it. Okay, <laughs> so the junior commission. Um, 
you know, during COVID, every a lot of things fell through the wayside. They, um, you know, companies, whole companies and businesses failed. Um, I think the commission actually got stronger. And so what the junior commission is working on is um, different projects surrounding child care and mental health. But mostly what they're doing is to revamp the junior commission using what they've learned, um, having to navigate through COVID, and to create a more stable environment for the junior commission. They're just going to make it a, a whole new, brand new, completely solid platform to work with the kids. And so that's amazing and very exciting. Um, so our, um, the Commission on Human Rights can be found on sonomacounty.ca.gov, and that will give you our meetings, our projects, uh, um, our vacancies, etc. And you just have to go under the Commission on Human Rights. And then we also have um, the Sonoma County Human Rights Visibility Project, and that is S-O-C-O-H-R-V. P.org. What do you mean visibility? That you come out to the community more? That's the project that Demetra put up where you can go on and take the survey if oh. your human rights have been, um, been trampled on. And you can describe what happened. We get the information anonymously, and then we can figure out how to better ha- handle the situations with the county. Well, Katrina Phillips, I want to thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces, and I want to congratulate you on being a new chair. And I, I can just tell by talking to you that you are very, very committed and have a lot of passion towards women's rights, and this is what we need in our community. And thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces. And a reminder to our listeners, all the websites, everything, all the different information that you got, you can find on www.womenspaces.com. Well, that's it for our show. A special thank Thank you to Asia Gianola Norris, who is the director of the production Hair, which is being presented at the Sixth Street Playhouse here in uh, in Santa Rosa. And remember, it's going to be it's going to be ending at March sixth, and all you have to do is go on their Facebook or their website. That's the Sixth Street Playhouse, and you will find out information. A special thank you to Katrina Phillips, the chair of the Sonoma County Human Rights uh, uh, Commission, here in action, making the statement for all of us. And I tell you, I'm very very impressed with her. You know, a reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. this evening. I'm excited. I get to listen to myself. And like I always do, I remind you that our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holtz, and you've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. in your life is you. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, February 28, 2022.